blessing in there. Okay. Nice and loud for our guys that are watching from foreign oh, countries you. like Gastonia. What was the. Oh, swims. Oh. I just some rock stole whatever rock. was on Close top. It's, uh, I don't know what that is. Open the cover over and there. Right here. Huh. How about that? How yeah, about that? My first time holding one. Did you wash your hands before you? Well, we have an Apple Watch, so it's okay. At some point. At some point. Nay, dear will, Adonai, God, that this had not come about through me, and may I not stumble in a matter of law and cause my colleagues to rejoice over me, and may I not say something regarding something that is to me that it is to whore, and not regarding something that is to whore that it is to me, and may my colleagues not stumble in a matter of law, and I rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding, Unveil my eyes that I may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We'll need it for the uh, second half. All right, Gregory, you've got less than 10 seconds. Okay. Six majors, 12 minors. Cincinnati, the Reds. Cincinnati is so much harder than it looks. It is harder, yeah. Everybody say hi to Dave McDonald. Hey, hi, Dave. Hey, I just dismissed his... Uh, Text on my Apple Watch. Very cool product. Very cool product. So is that a gold base on the Apple Watch? <laughs> like, is he a no, shit? No, the answer is no. <laughs> Clearly no. It's just highly polished. Oh, okay. Yeah. He buffs so, it every 30 It's so I can see if I've shaved or not. Yeah, <laughs> right. It is, it is uh, stainless steel. With a, uh, and when he hasn't shaved, he uses it to shave. That's, there it is. <laughs> Actually, that would be hazardous. Apple would never release a product that didn't have a rounded edge. That's right. All right, so um, we are reviewing the 12 minor prophets. They are minor not because they are have a lesser message, but rather because the length of their books are shorter. And we're trying to do an overview here. We'll see if we can figure out why I skipped the other three. Um, major prophets, who called down fire from heaven? Elijah. Good. Who was known as Fuzzy Wuzzy to his friends? Elijah. Why? He was bald. And? Some ruffians mocked him for that and um, bear a bear fuzzy face. bear showed up that's right <laughs> who is it that describes the suffering servant of Hashem Isaiah who parted the river Jordan with his mantle Elijah again that wasn't that that's Elisha. a trick question that's you said Elisha yeah Elisha it was his mantle it's not correct it was only Elijah oh okay because it was his mantle. Elisha was using Elijah's mantle. Hmm. Who destroyed his livelihood when he was called? Elisha. How so? He burned the, uh, the plow and killed the oxen. Exactly right. Lots of oxen, as I recall. Probably a dozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, who is Isaiah on turbo? Micah. 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 Exactly right. Hebrew English works, guys. That's great. Um, 66 chapters in Isaiah and only 7 in Micah same stuff and many verses actually copied who has a timeless message of judgment Obadiah no 
No. Um, because that one's specifically outside the land. Who was in? This is minor prophets. Uh, minor. Think about it. Nachum. Yeah. Amos. Yeah. Joel. Because it works not only for what they were dealing with then, but is also prophetic for now. Um, who had the message against Edom? That's a That's Obadiah. Um, who called to, to tell Israel it was too late? Is that Nahum? No. This guy did not belong to Israel. He was actually in the tribe. He was down there in the Amos? Judah. What's that? Amos? It was Amos, right? He's a farmer down in the southern side. He was called to go into the northern side and say, you blew it. It's just too late. Just wanted to tell you you're host. <laughs> that really is the summation of the book. You are host. <laughs> a guy told his people to get the lead out and do what? What did they not do when they came back? Build the temple. Who was it that asked, why do the wicked prosper? Not why do the righteous suffer, but why do the wicked prosper? It's a good one. We're going to study him. Who taught us to watch and look and wait to see Malachi, before the great terrible day of the Lord. Who said, not so fast, Assyria? You were God's God's player that you have blown it. That is Nahum or Nahum. Um, Who taught us that being in exile is not necessarily a bad thing because it's when God cleanses us and refines us and prepares us for his service? Who said? Okay, that's funny. <laughs> Zephaniah? Zephaniah, that's exactly right. Zephaniah, not Zechariah. Good. Who tells us about a minion of Gentiles? Zechariah. Zechariah, good. And who was the first one on the hit parade of warning Israel that they were all going to get thrown out of the pool? Hosea. Hosea, exactly. The one that I forget. I do remember him. That's right. Which prophet, major prophet now, major prophet, which major, major prophet was long-winded? Isaiah. Should be right off the top of your head. It's the longest one. <coughs> which prophet went into, major prophet went into captivity? Went into captivity? Went into captivity. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah went into captivity. Daniel was started in captivity. Who was Daniel reading when he was in captivity, letting him know that they were done? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Who caught a double portion? Elisha, who described the third temple? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. <laughs> who was not really a Navi? Daniel. Yeah. Who was the Navi? Eliyahu. Uh, it's not a trick question, guys. Alright, good, good, good. He's Hanavi. He is. This is a picture that I took. And it is not the Temple Mount. It is the model of the Temple Mount. And you can see in the foreground the fence that people are standing up against to get their picture taken. And you can see the people walking around on the other side because you can actually walk instant amongst that thing. It's, I don't know where it is. That's the 
Was that very cool? That's old Jerusalem in the time of the temple, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I I think. Is that we, it? Yeah, I think it's at Hebrew somewhere in Jerusalem. I think it's today at the uh, museum, the the Jerusalem Israel Museum. Yeah, where you've got the uh, Torah scroll the, 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 in the building that is outside. Scrolls. Yeah, yeah. Huh. so it's very cool, and it is to scale. So, you know, you can actually get up high and literally watch, for example, the master's uh, night of trekking all over. Uh, and going through, but very, very cool time. All right, so our mnemonic devices from uh, last week or the week before, just uh, to remind you. Uh, Hosea and Amos on the bottom are the one-two punch. They're the first two, and they go to tell the people, you, if you don't do something, you will get exiled. You will be kicked out, right? Um, Jonah and Nahum both deal with Nineveh. Right? Both with Nineveh. Nineveh, by the way, is uh, capital of Assyria at that time. Obadiah and Jonah are speaking to other people. They're not speaking to Israel. Right? Jonah is speaking, of course, to Nineveh. Nineveh, right? And Obadiah? Edom. Edom, right. Habakkuk and Haggai both ask questions. Habakkuk, we went through, he asks, not why do the righteous suffer, but rather why do the Wicked, prosper. prosper. What's the question that Haggai asks? We're talking about that tonight. Anyone? Why haven't you built a temple yet? No. No. We'll get to it. Joel and Zechariah both write about the end. So some of their stuff is applicable closer to when they were. Uh, I think that uh, if you look at Zechariah, you can clearly see some stuff about, I think, about Yeshua entering the other temple and so forth. Um, but Joel clearly has a lot of stuff that uh, is talking about the future that is yet to happen. Michael, we talked about Isaiah and Turbo, and Zephaniah and Malachi are both deal with waiting, either waiting on the Lord or uh, waiting on uh, His coming or whatever the case might be. What, uh, what is it that God requires of us? Is that we are coming before the Lord and we do righteousness and justice, I think it is? To love righteousness? Do justice. Do, do, yeah, that's the question for Gaia. All right, questions on that? Are we okay? We'll move forward? All right. By way of review, right, we have the minor prophets all lined up six before the northern tribes go out, six after the northern tribes go out, three before, right before each one's They're dealing very clearly with the stuff that they're dealing with there, right? And tonight we're going to look at uh, a guy, Zechariah and Malachi. We have some verses for each of the six that we've already gone through um, with regard to uh, Hosea, he speaks of repentance, right? And remember, he and Amos are giving the one-two punch. Hosea and Amos. So he's talking about repenting, and we're familiar with this. Verse 221, right? We, this, is, this is a very early morning thing for a lot of us, wrapping, filling. Um, how many of you can do that one in Hebrew? Yeah? Yeah? I learned that this year. A little bit about that. 
And then uh, Joel, Yoel, about judgment, right? Blow a shofar in Zion and sound a trumpet on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of Adonai has come. It is near. Joel 2.1. Some serious judgment type stuff. And uh, I really think that uh, we're looking at some forward thinking stuff. Amos again, along with Hosea, the one-two punch, which talking about the exile. Three transgressions of Judah I've looked away, but for four I will not pardon them, for they're despising the Torah about nine and not observing the statutes, their falsehoods that their fathers followed have corrupted. Boom. So that was a rough time for them. Ovadia, um, Obadiah we know, he's speaking to Esau's people to be domed. The house of Jacob will be fired. The house of Joseph proclaimed. The house of Esau for straw. They will ignite them, devour them. There will be no survivor to the house of Esau for Adonai's spoken. It's interesting. We'll read tonight that uh, he speaks of Edom and he says, This is a people that I am forever angry with. Forever angry. That's tough. That's harsh words there. It really is. And then Jonah, we spoke about how the, uh, the sages see Jonah, and the, three, the four chapters in Jonah, as being the four uh, periods in a man's life, right? First he rebels, this is on the ship, and then he uh, dies, that's in the fish, and then he repents, which is in the city where he's actually claiming repentance, and then finally, we have the uh, resurrection or the millennium or the uh, paradise, if you will. And these are the four stages of life according to the sages for every man in some way. He designated a large fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah remained in the fish's innards for three days and three nights. So it's been extraordinarily pleasant, even if you're not gluten free. And then Micah, you know, to know the Lord. He has told you, I mean, which is good, but does Hashem require of you but to do just? Oh, I just did that. That must not be uh, Haggai's question. We're getting to that. Micah 6 8. It's good stuff to know those things. Questions on those guys? Haggai. Complete destruction or ethnic cleansing versus tribute. So. What's happening in Haggai? He's at the end, right before we get uh, coming back. We've got this very bad time, and it looks like they've been ethnically cleansed. Everybody's gone. There's no Jews left in this land. Cleaned right out. Um, But they bring a tribute. And some didn't. Some didn't even show up. It's one of the most astonishing things I've learned since we started keeping the Torah. That the vast majority of them stayed in Babylon. That is so sad. Why do you suppose that happened? Human nature. To me, it's not really astonishing at all. No, no, it's just it's the course of human nature to get settled. Then, because this is where we are, we're not really <coughs> yeah, we become comfortable. We think about seventy years. It's a long time. 
Well, it's a generation or two, right? Yeah, yeah. at least, no, at least got, one. You've got uh, the life of one man or what would be considered the 40 years as a biblical generation. You've got virtually two generations, almost, for the life of one man. So you've got, I mean, in one generation, the people forgot the Lord. In one generation, our people forgot our biblical heritage here in the United States. So one, one generation can lose it all. It only takes one. That's why we're commanded to teach our children and to remind them constantly of God's word and so forth. But even in the life of one man, if you were a child when you came out or pulled out, it'd probably be difficult to. You grew up in a foreign land. It's not really a foreign land anymore. What's the thing about like um, people get, especially in a non-capitalist society, work, where you live, your community. These things are like these things don't move with you. Right. You know, you're not going to sell your house here and go. You know, Google what the best place to live is in Jerusalem. Well, if you were in that situation, what would really have to happen in order for everything to stay copacetic? In order to move from Babylon to Jerusalem, to Israel, back to the land, and still have commerce, mm -hmm. friends, family, what, what do you really need to have to happen again? Everyone needs to go. It needs to be another exodus, just like the, from here. Every, we all got to pack up and go. That's, like you said, human nature. Most people are not going to do that. Let's all sell our houses, buy some other houses, some other place, and set up a nice community. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, even... even are we bring in the pool? Right. Even even today, when it is very easy to move, yeah. people don't it's like much it. easier to move now. Unless we've got a load of truck. <laughs> Who are these guys? Theaters. Uh, Yehoshua's coming. Uh, Zerubel is the um, the leader. He's, he's the he's a, yeah of Israel. Um, Good guys or bad guys? Yehoiakim was a wasn't he one of the kings? That yeah, he was. Turned he turned away from God. He didn't tear down the high places, kind of guy. Yehoiakim was the last king, right? Um, Good. Both guys on the right are the last ones, and in the land, then the exile happens, and the guys on the left are the replacements. And just for sake of argument, and just so we're very clear, the guys on the left, and by the left I mean Zerubbabel and Yehoshua, right? Yeah. These guys are the ones that were good, and they're beginning in the land after the exile. These are the guys that were exiled. This is the guy that gets eyes put out. Okay? So, Zerubbabel, good guy. Joshua, or Yehoshua, extraordinarily good priest and steps up. So, 15 years they're back. No temple. Why not? Why, why the delay? A lot of reasons. Give me top five. Um, economic. What? Yeah, economic. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're focusing on building their own houses right. first. They've got stuff. The wall, around. everything like that. Anything but the temple. Anything but the temple. Okay. Um, the other issue is the temple is a uh, political firebrand 
all the people around them don't want them to build it. Why, why don't we get the Dome of the Rock out of there? Right. I mean, right? in fact, if you read Nehemiah, which is the same time frame, yes. mm -hmm. and you compare it to today, it's almost frightening. It's like it's prophetic about exactly the way that the situation yeah. is today. Yeah, it's, it's the, the whole tenuous nature and all of that. Yeah, so just so we're clear, guys, um, the first half of this fall has all of the prophets, right? All of them. 18. You've got the 12 minor prophets, you've got the 6 major prophets, they're all right here. But, we've got the kingdoms first in here, right? So we start with Solomon, I mean, uh, we start with Saul, and then David, and then Solomon, and that's taking up right here before the pictures. The, so the prophets start here, probably, you know, right on the edge of the picture frame, and go to about, right about here. All of them are right there in this, and they're all okay? So the last three, the ones we're looking at tonight, are at the same time as Daniel. So with Daniel, you've got Greece and all these things, and he's talking about what's going to be happening down here. So he's got all these visions and everything. We also have Esther over here. We also have, uh, who did we just talk about? Um, these guys, Zerubbabel, we have uh, Nehemiah, we have Ezra. This is the whole building time is right in here. So they come back right about here, and it's like, wh wh where's the temple? What are we doing? What's, what's the holdup? Okay. So you've got a lot of political nonsense going on. So this is the time where Haggai is writing. Haggai's primary complaint seems, if I remember correctly, centers mostly around... Um, it's almost like it's a lack of trust. It's, it's exactly what it is. In now. fact, he says, as for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. What's the problem? Don't be afraid. This guy over here saying he's going to kick your butts if you build a temple, build a temple. It's, it's just this, we feel wimpy. We got kicked out. We came back, but we're feeling pretty, pretty, pretty puny. So we got some, some very good uh, very good references here. Take a look at this next one. The latter glory of this house, which house? The house they're going to build. Right, the temple, right? Will be greater than the former. What does that mean? Version 2.0 is better. Version 2 is always better than the first. Initial release, wait for the next watch. So <laughs> in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Now speak to me and apply that metaphorically and tell me how can it possibly be that the wimpy picture I just showed you that I took when I was in Israel of this model could actually be more glorious and more wonderful than the temple that Solomon built. How is that so? Why can we say without question the second temple has greater glory than the first? It was bigger. Well, it's bigger. I don't think it was as glorious. He just said it would be. Good. God said so, <laughs> therefore it will be. That's great. You can go back to California. One question on that one. Did it have to do with the Shekinah resting there? The Shekinah was, was in this first one. one not was the Shekinah in that one? No. no. What was in that one? Well, nothing. It was empty. There was one in that one. Was it the... No, the Ark was in this one. Creator of the universe stood in that. The Messiah of Israel stood in the second. 
be taught in the second one. He was named. Named Pidyon uh, Haben in I can't forget the word in that temple. I submit to you that the reason why the second temple was more glorious was not because it was bigger, not because it looked cooler, had elevators or whatever, but rather because this one had the Holy Spirit. This one had that Shekinah, the visible representation of the invisible God. This one had the very icon of him. This one had his Messiah. Temple Rude would argue that it was the first one that had the elevators. How did he give? Couldn't resist. In this place, how did he give peace? I mean, sticking with your interpretation, yeah. right, so we have the Prince of Peace. That's there. exactly right. Shar Shalom. Right? I was going to say otherwise. Shalom. I would consider that, that the second house was very peaceful. I mean, the whole reason why Herod made the second one as big as it is is because he massacred the the Sanhedrin right beforehand. Right. So to make up for it. He was trying to make up for it. Vacation. All right. Questions on Haggai. Here this guy shows up and he's basically saying, guys, come on. It was a lack of faith that caused us to not obey his commandments. Now it's a lack of faith that's stopping us from building his house. He told us not to be afraid. Let's build this place. And they did. It seems like at the end, it's, it becomes less about you know building the house and more about you know Hashem really likes Zerubbabel and when you know he comes back and shakes the heavens and the earth and yeah. carries fire and sword throughout the land, and you get to yeah, that's right. And Joshua the, pre- the high priest too. All right, let's take a look at Zechariah. Those two are very important in the book of Zechariah. That's Joshua exactly right. They're both in there. Yeah. So uh, Zechariah, how many chapters you got? 14. 14. 14. Good. 14. Oh, look. 14 chapters. If you could figure out what he was talking about in most of those, I'd be impressed. Well, I was... Uh, Very prophetic. This year I was taken by the four chariots. Yeah, yeah so it's interesting. Right? And he goes through the horses that pull... Three out of the four chariots. Right. And I'm like, you wait know, a second, you missed the set of horses. The most fascinating element of that, first off, some of the sages' interpretations that the four chariots apply to the four kingdoms, just like Daniel. Right. Um, there was one sage, and I cannot remember which one it was, I think he picked out the last chariot rider. Or there was another another example, another one part in that whole vision. I think it was those, but maybe it's another person. Where there's a man described, and he says that's in the vision is Hashem. But that was very interesting because it specifically calls him a man. Yeah. And he's saying that that represents Hashem, which I thought was unusual. And this is after. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I know in the Christian movement, that prophecy is such a big, and even call it a spiritual gift. And sure. I've uh, and I've I've had it really bad. I've just heard some the poopiest thing that I've ever heard from this book from people who are dead serious yeah. and it's been it's been put a really bad kind of taste in my mouth for, um, it is sad it is sad but if we take it at face value and we, and we try and jettison the, the flotsam that has come along um, and just keep kind of brushing that away 
reading this book is incredible. Um, I know your dad is big on the third chapter where he talks about uh, Zemach, right? The branch. And the stone. Um, Yep, the stone too. Seven eyes. Um, I don't get anything about the flying scroll. I don't get it. First side, second side. I, you know, I, I get it. Um, Better not be stealing stuff. Yeah, really. Um, that's the first side. <laughs> yeah. Taking his name in vain. That's the that's the that's the underbelly there. Um, but as you read through this, I, you just to me, you, you just you as you said, you get these illusions that. Well, wait a second. You sure it just kind of really fits a lot of these things, and I don't feel like I'm stretching. This is a, a Ramez type thing. I read that and immediately think of the Master, and and then I go through it all. Well, so. the thing about Zechariah that's most interesting is, I say it's really bizarre, because it is, but it, it's very, very similar to Revelation. There's a yeah. lot of parallels. Yeah, even with the horses and, and the, the horses, the, the menorah with the olive trees, yeah. um, at the scroll. Yep. They all have like elements that are similarities. To it's, it. it's like they're all looking at the same. But thing. it's almost like if it's almost kind of like if you're um, trying to think of the best way to describe it. It's almost like the Book of Revelation is, you know, the complete uh, discology of this artist, and Zechariah is like the best hits, and they hit shuffle. Because it's like it's all churned up, and trying to match up what goes with what is really almost impossible. It really is difficult. So, I I think we need to remember that Zechariah is speaking to a people that are expecting that if he says something of a prophetic nature, he's going to give them something that will come to pass while he's still alive, and he will give them something that is yet future that they can hope in, tell their kids about, so that they can know that what he's saying is from the Lord. So there are some things that are clearly right for that period of time, but there's obviously some other things there that are scary different. Many nations, Goyi, will join themselves to the Lord in that day and will become my people. Is that an argument for conversion? Then I will dwell I was being facetious, sorry. Uh, then I will dwell in your midst, and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Hmm. I will dwell in your midst. Hmm. The Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So it's not he that is dwelling, but me that's dwelling. And you will know that he sent me. And, I, you know, I like that. I don't know what it means, but I like it. So, great, great verse from Zechariah. My, my desire at the end of this quick review of nine of the twelve, 75%, do the math. Um, of these minor prophets, because the other three are, are pretty much covered by others since they have such a strong parallel, um, is that we can pick one of these to really kind of dig in a little bit and, and go through. I wouldn't say exactly verse by verse, unless it's, you know, Hosea, it's only got two chapters, but um, certainly chapter by chapter, kind of, right? Kind of dig into it a little bit. Okay? This, this, this book, in my opinion, is one of the best reasons to own the Art Scroll commentary on the Betrayasar. Yeah. Because this book, like I said, is hard you, to understand. Does any, by the way, does anybody have my Betrayasar book? The white one that Gregory brought out two weeks ago and held up? I have a blue one. But no, this is white. Yours, but it's not yours. Yours. I wasn't supposed to keep that. <laughs> if you're watching remotely and you have my Betrayasar book, I am still looking for it. It's got to be one of my children. But yeah, the commentary on this book in that is excellent and it's very helpful because 
like I said, you're reading through it, and it's like, what is it talking about? Yeah. And they pull in bird places from all over the Bible, and yeah. Yeah, it really helps out. It is it is good. And remember, the, the book we're talking about that, that Gregory was holding up a couple weeks ago, it was, it was two weeks ago, right? I don't remember. Well, you weren't here last week because you were with Morgan. Right. And your kids, so it must have been the week before. We've only been doing this for three weeks. But you held up the Treasar book. Unless that was my Treasar book, and you got my Treasar book. I don't remember holding up the Treasar book. I definitely don't have a Treasar book. That I'm sure of. Did you hold up my Treasar book? I don't think so. You didn't bring your Treasar book. I've brought it before, but not for this class. Well, I thought you and I were the only ones that had it. At any rate, somebody's got my Treasar book, but it is a great book. Maybe but remember. Mr. No, no, no. This I think is, he has yeah. that. At any rate, there, it is a very thin book. There's, it's not very thick at all, it's a little tiny hardback deal. But if you've been on the art scroll thing, you got a book almost as big as that Talmud that is Reuben and some of the other guys talking about the prophets. And, you know, like the Midrash books that are like this wide, I've got those on the, on the, on the prophets. Now you've got a book that's this wide on only one book. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Malachi, the only Italian prophet. Everybody knows that. This is for uh, Mr. Upham. So what's uh, what's up? What's he what's he talking about? What's happening? What's what's the concept in Malachi? Didn't Malachi mad at them because they're doing the same thing all over again? It's like we just dealt with all this mistakes okay. last time. So yep. We went to exile. Yep. What, and now what, you're doing what, it again. what are they doing? Priests. The priests are perhaps not teaching the right stuff. Shepherds that are going the wrong way and so forth. Okay. Um, what about you know? You know, in Zechariah we've got you know the fast of the fifth and the fourth of the third, the fourth, the fifth, the seventh, and the tenth, and all that. We become days of feasting. In Malachi, he's asking, "Yeah, when you were, when you were fasting, were you were you doing that for me? Were you doing it for you?" Is this, is it Malachi also the one where he asks, he talks with them like looking forward to the end of Shabbat that they can't wait till it's over? So yeah, it's the same so. kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's just like, are you just going through the motions? If you're just going through the motions, I don't want your sacrifice, right? He is giving them rebuke and correction, which is what prophets do. Otherwise, they get thrown out of the pool. So you're right. They just came back, and already, hello, guys, why was there such an amazingly intense desire to be serious about keeping the commandments of God during the second half of that war? As, uh, as we see the Zugot, the pairs uh, in the Sanhedrin, why were they so ardently active about knowing the commandments and running to keep them. What? Because they because they knew that, that not keeping the commands was what got them in this case in this place to begin with. We just blew this, guys. <laughs> if if we don't take him seriously, we're gonna end up under somebody's boot again. Exactly right. So Malachi's got the promise in there. What is the promise that we're all still waiting for and affects us every place up? It's at the end, right? He says, I'll send to you Prophet Eliyahu to. Before the. Well, to return the hearts of the children of the fathers and hearts of the fathers of the children for the great and terrible day. day of the Lord. Right. That's good. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Exactly right. So, 
I mean, that's that's big. So do we believe in reincarnation? Or did, oh, Elijah didn't die. So where is he now? Galloping around the heavens and he's terrified. Hanging out with Enoch. Either that or, he, either either that or he's just, you know, you know, teleporting in and out of time at odd places. Sure. Walking around in the Jerusalem ruins. Yeah. yeah. All right, so this sounds familiar. Um, yeah. So there we go. So here they are. Now, I, I had thought about putting this list up with the right hand completely mixed up mm-hmm. to see if you could do that. Um, but I'm actually going to put it on the Men of Torah site as a homework assignment for you to see if you can take these one-word reviews of each. So um, somebody give me the first one and, and just kind of review for me why is Hosea repent? Well, he, he starts the story of repentance, and his whole story is um, basically the idea of an unfaithful wife, which in this case is representative of Israel. Sure. He's the first one. He's, he's one of the one-two punches, and his major theme, along with all the rest of them in some way, is, hey guys, yeah, probably a good idea to repent, wouldn't you? All right, somebody tell me about Joel. He's like, again, in time. Well, he just went. Let somebody else. Well, he's the Lord, Lord. And now it's a little too late for the repentance thing. It's coming. That's it. Right? You, you blew it. It's coming. Who is he speaking to specifically? The northern tribes. The northern tribes. Exactly right. Right? So he's one of the three that speaks to the northern tribes. Let's remember that. The first three are speaking, and the northern tribes get dumped. The next three are after the northern tribes, and they're speaking, you know, comfort and life and knowing God and stuff like that back to them. This three is right before the southern tribes go, and this three is right after the southern tribes come back. Next one. Amos? Anybody? He was, he was a tax collector? No. No. He, well, he started out in his first in the beginning, he's, he's talking about how the nations and, 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 and you know, Judah and Israel were, were judged for, for, you know, for three and four, I will not reverse their judgment. Mm-hmm. He goes into how they can judge their sins. Yep. And exile is and upon exile. big time. Obadiah. Yep. So what what are they paying for? What, what what's the problem with being? That essentially they they kind of went a little too far. Yeah. With their being the tool of God, if you will. Yeah. And he and he's only got one page. Yeah, it's just um, one chapter. Yeah. Real short. And he's he's clear that in the end yeah. it's gonna be bad. Real bad. Now that that was now. Why do you suppose this guy comes to speak to Edom after the northern tribes have already been exiled? Obviously, Israel heard about it, so they've already seen the northern tribes. Ten of them are gone, been exiled. 
Now God sends a prophet to these guys and says, you? You're in it. Shape up or ship out? If I were in Judah, I'd be going, holy crap. Shape up or ship out? That's it. <laughs> All right, Jonah? Thinking of ships. Yeah. That one, I mean, I just, uh, I think that was probably the best known of all the minor prophets, you know, beyond anything. We know some spot verses out of the others, recording them on, you know, as you rap or something like that, or like the film, but I'll tell you, Jonah, everybody knows the story, all the kids know the final graph, oh, was it a big, was it a whale of a tail or a tail of a whale? You well, know? part of it is because it's uh, it's one of those special um, Lord Dean readings. Yeah. We, we read it every before, exactly. and it's, it's read more often. You know, the, the sages are into that whole life cycle deal on that one, and reading it on Yom Kippur makes a whole lot of sense. All right, Micah. Isaiah Steroid. Mm -hmm. Seven chapters, and you, you really get to know who God is, his throne room, weird stuff, visions. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Nahum? This one is more what uh, Jonathan was saying uh, than the Adom one. Adom is just like, I hate you. That's it. I just hate you. And I'm forever angry with you. But Nahum is speaking to uh, the Ninevites and the Assyrians and saying, hey guys, you know what? You were supposed to be a tool. And you kicked some butt, and you kept kicking butt. And you went a little beyond what I was saying. And that's, that's a little more than I'm willing to put up with. Why do the righteous suffer? We've got in Habakkuk an understanding of how God works. He's also got the most, perhaps, the most important verse in the Bible. He has the righteous shoulder by the king. Good, yeah. Understanding how to walk. What's going on? Pretty important. Zephania. Zephania. This is uh, talking about uh, refiner's fire and all that kind of stuff and how exile is not so bad. And even if you're stuck in you know, South Charlotte and have to put up with living in Matthews or Indian Trail, you know, life is you know, it's worth it. So, that guy we just talked about. So the first guy, he is parallel with Hosea. Hosea is the first one before the exile, all full of warning and woe. And Haggai is the first one after they get back. You know, God wants to dwell with you. He's not going to dwell in that field. You need to build a house. Zechariah? A lot of the future stuff. A lot right. of visions. And then we got the minion of Gentiles. That's cool. Grabbing the sleeve or the uh, kamal. And then Malachi, watching and waiting for God to show up. So, show of hands, which uh, which minor prophet to you sounds the coolest? The one. Sounds the coolest, like in terms of name or message? Obviously, message. Okay. Name. You know, everybody knows Chavafuk has got to be the greatest Chavafuk. name. <laughs> well, despite the fact, in spite of the, not despite, in addition to the fact that he's got a great name, to me, Chavafuk was always 
was. There's some neat stuff in there. And, uh, and there's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't really go with what his main message is. Like in the beginning of chapter 3, it says, here's the words of uh, Habakkuk the prophet about the states. Mm. Okay, what does that mean? Mm. Can we have four chapters about that? Yeah, it's good. It's, uh, yeah, I like that one. I like I like I like that one and Stefania, mostly because we don't read much from either of them. They're short, they're easy to read, but we don't very rarely do we dig into them. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of more interesting to like talk more about what their stuff has to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't really have a particular prophet. I I like they all have a common message of something to look forward to. That's why they're kids. <laughs> well, some of them. On the front end, looking forward to it was not so pleasant. Well, but but the part right, but the, I, that's that's the part I like from the. I I don't really read the prophets to figure out all these judgments and nasty things, and to me that's not really what speaks to me. But in the midst of that chapter, there'll be a couple of verses which are very prophetic, obviously, and and, and that's what uh, to me that's like the most important part of of, of, of them all. Okay. So that's that's kind of what I would think of it. Okay, Gregory, what do you think? I. Uh, probably Jonah because it's the book that I know the best and it's just it's a really cool example of just a lot of of aspects throughout scripture you know like just what what to do when you're called like even what not to do yeah when when (laughs) the whole I mean the story is pretty shows the mercy of Hashem you know you hear so many times when people disobey and that's it they don't get another chance but just such a unique way of getting giving yeah. someone a second chance the, how, how that all worked out and I just you wonder why he just didn't choose somebody else obviously this guy doesn't want to serve him I'll just give him rotten teeth and earaches all the time and I'll pick this guy yeah he didn't do that you really wanted to use Jonah yeah and he used him in a way that would be written down for like ever yeah, yeah. And then, as you said, is read so many times. Haggai is uh, is a cool one for me. I like that. But I'll let you go first. Uh, I actually really like Hosea, um, just because um, I read. It's probably in. I read or heard. I think it was in Torah Club commentary that. The sages unanimously, unanimously agree that Hosea was actually the prophet who received. If, if they're filtering the message of Hashem through a lens, Hosea's was the clearest lens. And so he was the greatest prophet. He was the clearest lens, and um, I also really, really appreciate the way Hashem used him, and. You know, not not so much that I, um, I'm I'm happy that he told me to marry a prostitute just so that you could feel what Hashem was feeling, kind of thing. But he made it very real, and he made it to where the the prophet would actually be able to exp- he it he actually came to a place of understanding and experiencing the way Hashem felt. Mm. And to me, that's. That's special. Even if you don't feel seem, even if it doesn't seem like to be like the best of situations. Here, I want you to understand why my nation has gone astray, and why you know I want you to send this message. 
even though it's not under the most favorable of circumstances, the the level of humility that Hosea had in order to achieve that and thus deliver said message um, to me is also very inspiring. It's um, you know it's a, it's it's that Moses like humility because he was he, he had completely nullified his will before Hashem to to send this message. Yeah. Certainly easier to marry a prostitute than walk around preaching for three years naked. Indeed. For me. Just so. I thought Isaiah just laid on the side. Well, still naked. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> when we speak of Hagim, right? What are these? Festivals. These are the festivals. That's the root of Haggai's name. Born on a festival. That's what his name means. His name means my festival? Born on a festival, my festival, or whatever, but it seems to imply that that's, uh, he's got a uh, birthday that is uh, already on God's calendar. All right, well, I'll uh, take all of that into consideration and see if we can't pick one to kind of chew up a little bit. They're all, I mean, we're not going to do uh, a major profit, so we'll knock out one of these and just kind of dig in a little bit there. Oh, I really wanted to do Ezekiel. Yeah. Someday we'll do Ezekiel, but like, uh, like Jonathan said, What really are we going to end up with, but, other than great fodder with which to argue with other people? Bite up enough to chew. Well, I think I think I mean, obviously it's got a lot of great stuff to it, but I think if you pick Ezekiel, it's like twenty seventeen, the year of Ezekiel, yeah. like the entire <laughs> year of study classes. I'm sure it's going to be. Ezekiel. Yeah, there's no question. And we're in Ezekiel chapter one and verse fourteen, and it's only been nine weeks. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. All right, guys. Let's. Uh, but if they if they do blow up the middle of a rock, we really need to read Ezekiel as quickly as possible. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> what are the dimensions in that building again? It's big. It's very big. All right. Questions, comments before we call it a night. You are here only one week, two weeks. Um, two, it's actually going to be two more weeks. Two more weeks and. Do you go to Israel next? Te- Texas, then Israel. Texas, then Israel. Land. One promised land. land to the next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God's alive in both of those places. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So since you missed, you get the one that's already filled in. God bless you. All right. Jonathan, would you give us the blessing after study, please? We thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall and have not established our portion with idlers. For we arise early and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah. They arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil. We toil and receive a reward. They toil and do not receive a reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction, as it is written. And you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed, blood shed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. Amen. It is amazing to me how many of the prayer references I saw to these 12 books. So oh, yeah. many. From the um, Siddur? Yeah. Yeah, I it's mean, amazing. You know, and we find, and in that day, 
the Lord will be one and his name will be one. Right at the end of the Elena. Well, there it is. We, you know, this week. I, mean, I know that. There's, I, yeah, there's I, I, so many of them. So, it is good stuff. I tell you what my goal is. I would like it that by the end of this year, not doing nothing but the Minor Prophets, but by the end of this, this, uh, this year, um, and by this year, I have no idea what I mean because my head is saying the end of the calendar year, but then Sukkot, and then 5776, trombones in the paper, sorry. Um, by the end of some year, by, the, by some time, I would like it that if someone quotes from a minor prophet, everybody in our, in our group would know, Zephaniah, Micah, that would be be great chapter and verse I'm not as concerned about but knowing wait a second it's speaking of exile it's speaking of retribution it's speaking of you know that kind of thing I I would like that I would like us to know off the top of our heads these 12 books I can tell you about them I can tell you about the book of Amos I can tell you about the book of Hosea most of them are pretty short we should be able to do that so that's where I'm going to try and get us. I think the next step to that would be to understand why the sages picked those particular verses for the path, the prayers in Sif. There's, um, there's a whole bunch of good stuff there. And I think the, uh, you know, Rick Spurlock said years ago, the sitter's nothing but the best hits of the Torah. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's some great stuff. So, I think we could do worse in knowing the minor prophets better. I mean, so, okay. All right.